Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, how's everything going? Oh, I can't complain at all, Greg. How about you? Man, everything is going great. I missed the show. We didn't have one Monday because of the holidays. I missed the show, but I enjoyed the time. Hmm, hmm. I know we, you know, time to time we need a little bit of rest and relaxation, and we got that. <laughs> but you know, Brian, tonight we're gonna have fun. We are the special guests tonight, <laughs> and we, yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna talk about a, a number of things tonight, and uh, we're gonna talk about one that you love talking about. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna have fun. <laughs> And I know, and I know you have a lot that you want to say about our current economy, our current gas prices. Oh boy! Oh boy! The situation, the election, and everything that's going on, Brian. It just seems like the American people have been fooled. It seems like we're being squeezed at the pumps. Bamboozled. Run amok. <laughs> and for what reason? Why? Is there a shortage of fuel somewhere? What's going on? You know, Greg, the stuff that we're going to talk about, not a whole lot of people are really discussing as far as the media is concerned. You know, they're talking about it, but they're really not discussing the real points and factors. But people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I had an interesting discussion today, and this one lady was talking about how, you know, and I guess we'll start off. First of all, we'd like to, you know, welcome you all to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and our call-in number is seven one eight five zero eight nine six zero zero. That's seven one eight five zero eight nine six zero zero. And tonight's show is going to be pretty much about the president, the current presidency, and also about, you know, did you vote for George Bush? Did you vote for the war on terror? Were you, did you believe in going to Iraq? And Afghanistan, and you know what are the the situations surrounding nine eleven, and what do you think about the economy? We got a lot of stuff we're going to touch on, you know. But I want to talk about something that was kind of shocking to me, but not really. You know, today we were talking about gas prices, and we're talking about how high the gas has gotten in the past year. You know, just last year gas was teetering around three dollars, and now it's at $4, you know, and and you have these speculators, and, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit, Greg. The speculators say that by next fall we could be paying as much as $12 a gallon at the pump. Not Greg. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the the reality behind that is that, you know, when you look at the way that the economy is driven and you look at the way that, the oil prices and everything else is driven, you can see that it's almost a systematic approach at helping some folks who have the opportunities to obtain wealth just gain a whole lot more, and others who don't have those same may have the the, the want or desire but don't necessarily get the same equal opportunities to obtain that type of wealth they seem to lose more. You have this situation now as far, as far as people that have invested heavily in oil stocks where they're reaping the benefits and they could care less if gas goes $10 a gallon because that means they make more money off the back end. You know? Yes. But yes. Uh, at it's the sad. same time, the folks that can't afford it, you know, and I was talking today with a, with a lady at work and she was saying how she knows people who are literally dropping their kids off up in uh, – she's from Alabama. She said she knows people that are dropping their children off in, at the child and family services because they can't afford to take care of them anymore. Wow. And they're saying, take, just take them. Take them. I can't take care of my kids anymore. It costs me too much to even get them to school and to be able to pay bills and clothe them and feed them because gas prices have gotten so high. I'm only making five dollars an hour, and gas costs five dollars a gallon. You know, yes. I'm like, wow. It. You know, because yeah. you never think about that. 
you know, especially if, if, if the gas crunch hasn't really hit you that hard, you know, if you still can afford to go around and, and travel and do your normal thing and the gas price, the gas thing hasn't hit you as hard as it hit some people, you know, you really don't think about the people who are barely able to make it now. You know, what, and what you have th- going on right now too, Brian, with the gas prices and everything going up and the people's pay not going up, you're having uh, a lot of crime going on. You're starting to see people robbed a little bit more. Just pay attention, you'll see it. Oh, yeah. People are being robbed, ATM machines. I mean, they're just they're doing all different types of things, kicking in doors while you're home. People are breaking into your home now while you're there, and you, you're starting to see a lot of people go to big stores, I'm not going to say the name, but the one with the big W, they're going to these places in the parking lots and they're ciphering gas out of people's car. Mm-hmm. How crazy is that? You know what? Sadly to say, you're probably going to see more than that as the gas prices go higher and higher because people are desperate. Folks who aren't making as much as they used to make and they can't really afford you know, to drive, just like right now, I drive an SUV. And just three months ago, back in you know back in March I think it was around the beginning of March, I took my son out of town on a camping trip, and it cost me eighty nine dollars to fill my truck up, and I thought that was just ridiculous, because I can remember when I first bought that truck in two thousand, it cost me about forty five dollars to fill up. <laughs> what about so, now? So the fact that it doubled in less than eight years. You know, and well, virtually in eight years, it doubled in price to fill it up. Just shocked me. What, well, what, now what it cost me roughly about one fifteen to fill up. Wow! So it went from ninety dollars to one fifteen in the span of three months. That's close to five hundred dollars a month. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow! Absolutely. You know, and luckily I don't. You know, I don't go anywhere. I can't afford to go anywhere, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's just too expensive to drive. Like I plan to take a trip to Texas. I already know that I'm going to spend close to $400 in gas just to go, just to make the trip. Is that just to get you there or is that to get you there and back? Uh, well, you know, I haven't really uh, scaled it all out yet. It's going to be more than 400 <laughs> more. I'm hoping, well, see, gas prices are actually cheaper on the road than they are in town. And so that's what I found. I found as I go through those cities, like, you know, uh, actually it's most of those those cities have, you know, oil refineries. And the gas tends to be a little bit cheaper as you go along, you know, but still, you know, it might, I might save 10, 15 cents on, you know, per gallon. That would be music to my ears, especially since I know by the time I get ready to go out there, gas is going to be about 450 a gallon. Brian, you, let's 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 change gears. I'm getting a little bit depressed about about that gas, those gas prices, <laughs> because it's steadily rising and rising and rising. And, and and I tell you what, it's just pitiful. But let's talk about when our current president was placed into office. Mm-hmm. People around this country, let me tell you, you couldn't say anything, 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 even if you spoke the truth. And if it wasn't what the other party wanted to hear, you were that just wasn't a, a, a patriot. You, you just that's not that was just so unpatriotic for you to talk like that against the leader. Right. But now it's like everybody's coming out against him, and they're attacking him now. That even people in his own camp are doing this. You know, and I, I really believe because he's you know they call it at this point in his you know of his term. He's sitting as a lame duck. There's really not a lot that he can do. Right. But now everybody's coming out against him. Oh, the, the no kid left behind thing was a bust. Uh, this, 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 this. Well, if you would have thought about that seven years ago, eight years ago, when you first placed him in office, did you do your homework? Or were you, or was this just the, the, the games? Or was this just part of the American way to stick behind the leader and not say anything? You never speak against him. But now everybody's speaking against him, and I just, you know, I just really believe that people need to wake up and look and see what's really going on. These people are trying to, the ones that are speaking out against him now, are trying to uh, separate themselves from him, 
to save their own careers. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing, Brian. What, what's your take on it? Uh, you know, I tend to agree with that. <laughs> I think that's what they're doing. They're trying to save their own face because, you know, now he can't necessarily protect them. You know, mm. and, you know, again, when when you look at it, and, you know, Greg, I think this is this, most of this show is going to be about gas prices because that's all I can think about <laughs> right now. <laughs> but, you well, know, when when you talk about the economy and you talk about how the economy is driven, you know, it almost seems as if it was a setup from the beginning because the first thing that happened was taxes were cut. That's the first thing that George W. Bush, president, current president, pushed for. He pushed for uh, taxes to be cut. And most of the folks who were wealthy were, were you know, applauding him. Yes, yes, tax cuts for the rich because, you know, they're taking half of our wealth. They're taking all of our money. Well, then you have a situation where interest rates go up because of the tax cuts. Because if you're going to cut my taxes, i got to still make my money. So interest rates go up, of course, and then you have the dreadful moment of, you know, 9-11. And so everything, of course, is halted then. And so, of course, the government has to step in and put money into the system so that you don't have trains and airplanes and everything else go out of business because that's vital to the economy. So now when you think about it, these people who make billions of dollars a, a week, are being helped by the government using our money. Mm. Right? Yes. And then he says, well, I want to give you more of your money back. And he said, this is a way to fix the economy. We can fix the economy because you'll spend more money if you have more money to spend. So, so of course, we're like, oh, sure, yeah, let's do that. So, of course, you give us more of our money back. And, you know, we're only getting small chunks of it if we're not making, you know, huge amounts of dollars. But now the, these huge companies are also getting a lot of their money back, and they're already still receiving the tax breaks, so they're getting money on top of money because they're not paying as much taxes as they used to, and they're getting uh, an additional lump sum of money back, but then they're making ref- record profits on the back end. Mm. you know. And so when you look at something like oil companies, well, when you start pushing all that money back out, and now we instead of having a surplus of money – now we have a deficit of money. Now they're saying, okay, you owe uh, X, Y, Z, you know, $3 trillion, $4 trillion. Your dollar isn't as strong as it should be. So we're going to devalue your dollar. So now the dollar becomes devalued. But what most people don't know is that the only way you can buy oil is using the U.S. currency. That's a deal that was struck back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So... Less money. If the dollar's le- worth less money, you got to spend more dollars in order to equal out the money overseas, right? Right. Okay, so they're saying, hey, we have no choice but to raise oil prices because before we're getting, you know, a dollar fourteen on the dollar. Now we're getting seventy five cents on the dollar. We're losing money, so we got to raise our prices, mm. and that's why you see the oil prices go up and continuously inch up and up and up. Because if you remember, back in the day, nothing predicated oil prices. You could have a hurricane. You could have an explosion on Mount Kilimanjaro, for all, you know, for all we know. Nothing influenced oil prices like the simple things like speculators and, hey, you know, we decided that we don't have enough in the reserves, so then oil prices go up for, you know, go up $3. And if you notice, even when we say we have plenty in the reserves, the oil prices only just equalize out. They never go back down to the original number it was before they said it. You see what I mean? Yes. yes. And so it constantly goes up and up and up and up and up and up. And who's feeling it? The folks who don't have stocks invested in oil. And so... People start speaking of alternative fuels because that's the answer. Go green, right? Yes. You think the answer is go green? <laughs> I'll tell you what. When we come back from commercial, we're going to talk about go green and the effect that it's had on our economy. We'll be right back with the Abundant Solutions Hour. 
Hey world, this is EJ Transit, and right now I need the ears of the African American community. Some child will be reported missing in the next 40 seconds. 33% of missing children are African American. Saving our children is working to make the security of children the top priority. So please log on to www.savingourchildren.bravehost.com or www.myspace.com slash hfmbc and please help in saving our children because when you stop hearing my voice another child has been reported missing thank you treat me with understanding treat me with respect Drug and alcohol addiction is an equal opportunity disease. Treat me without judgment. Individuals in recovery come from all walks of life and deserve to be treated with respect for winning one of the hardest battles there is. Treat me with courtesy. Treat me with humanity. Alcohol and drug addiction deserves proper treatment. For drug and alcohol information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. And we are back with the Abundant Solutions Hour. Tonight's topic is America and our economy. And what would you say to President Bush if you had the opportunity to talk to him about the economy and about America? You know, Greg, before we uh, went to break, we were going to talk about... Green. (laughs) Green. (laughs) Green. You know, it's funny that it costs more money to go green than it does to do what you've normally been doing. You ever thought about how much money is spent on going green? See, going green is a huge commodity. And, you know, I asked Greg the question about um, how would going green, do you think going green would help us in our gas prices. What's your answer, Greg? What do you think? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Let me tell you. This is the effect that going green has had on our economy. You talk about going green and producing uh biofuels like ethanol and you know, all those other type of biofuels and what happens is the oil company said, oh, you want to go green? Okay, we're going to raise our prices even more because we got to make whatever money we can. And then you also have an issue where people can make biofuels out of pretty much any type of vegetable. And what's the most readily available vegetable that they use? Corn and rice. So then you have a rice shortage because all the rice farmers are selling their rice off to make biofuels. And whatever's left, if it hadn't been eaten by bugs or whatever, you know, the price of rice goes up and the price of corn goes up. And so now it costs more to eat because the farmers will say, hey, I was selling my corn for a dollar a bushel, but I can sell it for $2 a bushel because they're going to take a bushel and make ga- make a gallon of gas out of that bushel. You mm. see? Mm-hmm. Not saying that those are the actual prices, but that's the reality that's occurring because people are have come up with ways to make, create biofuels and it's not that we're out of oil there are there is plenty of oil but you know you have the issue where people are trying not to hurt the environmentalists you know they say don't hurt the environment don't do this don't do that you know and you know we got to be good to mother earth and so forth and it seems like there's very few other countries who are really pushing this issue and you know they're not having necessarily a problem with pumping the oil but America is saying, "Hey, we don't we don't want to pump the oil, but we have pl- plenty of oil, plenty of it." Mm. You know, and that's the thing: we have plenty of oil. We have plenty of it in reserve. We have reser- oil reserves, from what I understand, that would last us for the next sixty years, or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, mm-hmm. but then there are plenty of oil wells. That are in, like I think they found the fifth largest in the world, in or the fifth largest in the continental United States. They believe it may be even larger. No, mm-hmm. I, no, I take that back. In South Dakota, the reserves that they found in South Dakota 
is five times larger than the largest reserve in the United States. So it effectively becomes the largest reserve in the United in the North America area. And so there's plenty of oil, but you have some folks saying, "Oh, we don't want you to harm the environment because the gray forest locust will die if you pump the oil." But then uh, on the converse side, it's costing you five dollars a gallon just so you can you know get to work and feed your children. Which of course it costs more to feed your kids now. I mean, even milk has gone up because it costs more to transport it. <laughs> you see? Yeah, you know what? Milk costs more than uh, a gallon of gas now. Yeah. It's like milk $4 well, almost Well, right now it does. Yeah, for right now. But guess what? Gas is going to overtake it pretty soon. Yes. Yes. I, I, I believe... I believe it will, but man, let's let's get off of that 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 <laughs> gas thing. I know we keep coming back to it, but let's get off of that. What did you right. think about Hillary Clinton's remark, uh, the JFK remark? What did you think about that? You know what? I think that was a desperate move, not intentionally desperate. It's not like she was saying that to try to garner any type of sympathy whatsoever. I just think her mind was just racing, and she was trying to find something that would, you know, spark somebody's attention. And so she tried to liken herself to that of a Bobby Kennedy. Mm. You know, I think that's what the deal was. You know, but I've heard speculators saying, you know, and I'm not crazy enough to believe that she was trying to send a message to Barack Obama about maybe watch your back because somebody might take you out. But that's what some people said that she was saying. Hey, you never know. You know, he could get you know, take it out before yes. the election, you know, so why drop out now? Yes. You know, and I even heard a lady on, I can't remember the lady's name, but the lady on Fox News had even mentioned that. She said it wouldn't be too bad if you took him out. Oh, my goodness. And I'm thinking, are you serious? You know, I mean, people have gotten so wrapped up in this Republican versus Democrat race that they are actually – resorting to that type of commentary, you know, and it's sad because you would think that they'd have more class than that. Brian, do you think because this country has been, you know, the the president has always been a white male, now that um, a, a, a black man can stand up and have the most powerful powerful position in the world, with his wife and children, and walk across the stage from time to time and make decisions for this country, do you think it's just a perception that that sends out to different countries that people in this country can't handle? You know, I think most of it is just the fact that they're not prepared. No, I take it back. I think this country in and of itself is more than likely is probably ready for a black president. I really do. I believe that. What I also believe is that there are some people in government who aren't ready for it and they'll ne- they will not rest until that day never comes. Well, how 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 would I want to say that? They will they will not rest until they stop him from becoming the first black president. Mm. And so they'll come up with all kinds of crazy things to say. He's an elitist. He's this. He's that. You'll have, I mean, when you think about it, you have people making statements that are untrue. You know, you have them trying to catch him up on a religious tip, you know, and, oh, look what he said about the country. I mean, there's not a person on this planet that has never said a negative comment about America. Was it a negative comment, or was it just the it, truth? The thing, is, the thing is, what I believe it was, and I'm not saying that in the saying I'm not patriotic. I love America. I was born, I was born in America. Best country you know, in the I'm world. Raised in America. I am an American. I'm not an African American. I'm an American. You see, that's yeah. what they and see because you don't hear people saying I'm a white American. You know, no, and most people will say, "Well, Brian, you know, you're not right by saying that." I always say, you know. I don't want you separating me from where I who I am. So don't try to marginalize 
me by saying, or you, you're not exactly American and you're not exactly African. You know, my my culture is African descent. You know, I'm the color of African people, but I'm American. And they'll tell you that. You're American. You're not African. You're not even African-American. Because technically an African-American would be someone who was from Africa who became a naturalized citizen as an American. Mm-hmm. You see? Just like you have Haitian, Haitian-American, Irish-American, you know. They, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm saying all that to say this. The reason why they don't want to see, in my opinion, they don't want to see a person like Barack Obama become president is because he is not part of the good old boy system of checks and balances, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. See, in my opinion, our current president is part of that system. He's part of that system. He benefited from that system. People can say what they want to. The folks that are in Congress right now, the majority of them are benefiting from these high gas prices. They're benefiting from these high uh, prices for food. They're benefiting from that because they have a stake in it. They have a financial stake in it. But the better part of the rest of the world is having to grin and bear it, buckle down, work harder, work smarter, and take, you know, a dime and a nickel, rub them together, and hope to make a dollar so they can buy, you know, one-fifth of a gallon of gas, you know. Yes. Or maybe I can put these this dollar together and buy some powdered milk and buy some bottled water for a dollar, you know, because I can't afford the regular milk. Well, let me, see, let these me, are the let... people that are really, really struggling, but you'll never hear them talk about that because they don't even want to talk about the little man. Yeah, they well... want to try to make it seem like that, the folks that are running for president right now are in tune with the little man and are tuned no i mean are in tune on one side they're in tune with the little man they believe in helping you achieve your goal but at the same time if that was the case they would have achieved it by now because how long have we had republicans in office well let me let me say this you know if a barack obama becomes the president in now children of color will stand up and say, you know what, it's possible. It's yeah. possible. That thing that we have seen for so long is right at hand now, and now these kids are seeing this, and you can now, Brian, kids today are paying attention to politics. Kids that never watched it before know more about politics now. Mm-hmm. You can't trick these <laughs> kids anymore. They're paying close attention. And, you know, the things like when uh, Dr. King was alive and he was doing his marches and it was a peaceful march, those days are gone. You're not, the kids today, they're not going to do that. You know, I, I don't think they're as patient as as back in the day when things went sour and we, we marched and we did this thing. I, I just don't think the kids of today, I, I just think they're different. And I don't think they have the same patience. I think they're smart, they're brilliant, beautiful, beautiful children. But I just don't believe that they will sit back and be wrong like we were years ago and you not know it. Right. Would would you agree? Yeah, you know, it's funny when you said that, my children know probably about as much about politics now that I know knew when I was, you know, in 12th grade because that's just how much it was discussed back then. It really wasn't. But nowadays, they're discussing in their school. I think my daughter came home and she was talking about how there is a, a girl at her school that used to be her friend, but she's not her friend anymore because she w- was standing there listening to two other girls talk about Barack Obama. And this little girl wanted John McCain to be president. And so because my daughter was standing there, she said, I'm not your friend anymore because you're voting for Obama. 
and Obama's a Muslim. <laughs> you know, and so my daughter came home and she's telling me about it. And I'm like, wow, you know, it was just so hilarious to me because I'm thinking, you're in third grade. What do you all know about Barack Obama and John McCain? And you know, what and it happened? was just and and she said that oh we talk about it on the playground every day. You know what, Brian? That that little girl is probably repeating something that she heard at home. Of course. Yeah. But you know what? When this thing, when the dust settles, and it's between John McCain and Barack Obama, you will see what this country is made of. You oh, will absolutely. See it. You're going to see it. And you're going to feel the tension. It's going to be so thick that when you walk out your door, you'll feel it. When you go in the grocery store, you'll feel it. People that used to be close, and I just hope I'm wrong. I pray that I'm wrong. But there's going to be a lot of tension. Sadly, you're right. You know, I mean, there's already a lot of tension. There's all, And see, that, that tension is being exacerbated by high oil prices. We're still in Iraq fighting this war that people, many people believe we should have never gone there. Many people believe that we should have won it already. You know, many people believe we should be there. We need to be there. You know, we're looking for weapons of mass destruction that, and you know, they still haven't found in four years. You know, what? Well, not four years. I'm sorry. Was it going on six years now? <laughs> How long have we been in Iraq? Eight oh three. Seems like eight. Yeah, it seems like forever. Yes. You know, but, you know... We still we've been in Afghanistan even longer, and we still don't know where Osama bin Laden is. You know, I'm thinking we can put a spacecraft out in the Andromeda system or whatever, and it's out there taking pictures of of galaxies that are colliding and sending back pictures of high resolution of these huge galaxies, and we know how to find all these different, you know super planets and mega stars and systems and all this stuff and we can look and see what's inside the eye of a of a of a fly you know in a microorganism and whatever but we can't find a man in a cave <laughs> or we can't come up with a solution to cut these prices yeah or that's the other part you would think that if this government was so concerned with the high rising in gas prices, that they would do something to not just cut the, you know, cut taxes for the rich like this. That here's the, here's the thing that everybody said. Oh well, you're going to get the economic stimulus package. And when they first sold this thing, they said everybody would get six hundred dollars. But once they signed off on it, what you soon found out was not everybody was going to get up to six hundred dollars. And that some people would actually get nothing, and people who didn't, who even didn't even work, would actually get more than somebody who did work. And so when you think about it, okay, wait a minute, this thing turned out being equally everybody would get something. Now mm-hmm. it's become some people people will get something, people who actually worked would get something, people who didn't work would actually get something. You know, and then some people who work would get nothing. So how do you think that makes certain people feel? They feel disenfranchised. I worked hard. I was calling my legislator, telling him, yeah, vote for the economic stimulus package because I thought that it would help everybody, but now I don't see everybody getting help by it. Hmm. And has it, has it stimulated the economy? No. What it's actually done has driven us deeper and deeper into debt and by doing that, we devalue the dollar even more, and, of course, the consequence is gas prices are rising even more. I mean, when you think about it, at the beginning of the year, gas was hovering around $3.15. And in less than six months, it's almost gotten to where it's four, what, $4 some places, 4 other places. But you think about it, it increased. In the last two years, gas prices have doubled. Wow. In the last two years, 
gas prices have doubled. And see, most people would say, and I know we're back on gas prices, but when you think about it, this is something that's spurring the economy. Flights cost more money. Trains cost more money. Daycare is going to cost more money if you've got to get your kids picked up. Everything is costing more money except the fact that you're not getting more money on your job because your job is having to pay more money. Yes. Yeah. And so who's making out? Who's benefiting? The folks that are in Congress and the folks that are, you know, that are the the, um, the taxpayers, not taxpayers, but the shareholders in these oil companies, those are the people who are benefiting. Brian, let's because Congress could easily say, well, we're going to cut the taxes that we that we charge on gas. Brian, let's let's get off of that. Please, let's get off of that. I know it. I know it. We, we should have just labeled this show the gas show. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, what what do you think about the book What Happened? Hmm. The book What Happened. You know, I haven't I had a chance that... to really follow that yet. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand, somebody's pretty ticked off about that book. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's writing books now. Mm-hmm. And when uh, President Bush gets out of office, you're going to see books flying all over the place. Everybody's going to have something to tell. Where's the loyalty in that? You know what? And this is something I think you and I were talking about earlier. There's no loyalty now in government. It's all about what you can do for me. And, you know, when I read this, when I'm, I'm reading this, what uh, then White House Press Secretary Scott McClellan, mm-hmm. his book is called What Happened? Inside the Bush White House and Washington's Culture of Deception. See, this is something that we've always been talking about. The culture of of deception is actually a culture of perception. See, most people look at the White House as being bad, 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 if certain people are in and good, good, good if other folks are in. No. This is a culture of deception because we're always being deceived, no matter who's in the White House. There is something dirty going on on both sides of the table. Mm. See, I always tell people about politics. What I've learned about politics is the word politics is actually a a, a double word. It's poly, meaning many, yes. and ticks, meaning blood-sucking organisms Ooh. that cling to your body. And feed off of your life force. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about? Let's let's talk about Hillary Clinton wanting to sit the delegate in Florida and Michigan. Well, you know, it's it's just a simple ploy to try to deter the inevitable. She believes that if she's able to seat the delegates in Michigan and Florida, that it will give her the push that she needs to actually win the nomination. Because if you have some of those delegates or half of those dele- or even all of those delegates in Florida and Michigan actually give their vote of confidence to her or actually vote for her, those superdelegates, then that may spur some of the other superdelegates to vote for her. But let Is me she- tell you how that hurts the whole the party as a whole. See, the party needs to right now Rally around one candidate, because if they bicker and fight so much all the way up to this election, they're going to run out of gas trying to fight in, you know, in a general election. Yeah. And there's going to be so much bad blood that most people will not even vote. See, there's a lot of people talking right now, and you know, in the Democratic Party saying that if Hillary Clinton is nominated, they're not going to vote at all. Oh, yeah. Or they'll just vote for a for, uh I was about to say Bush, but uh, what's his name? McCain. McCain. And you have others that are saying, if Barack Obama gets in there, I'm not going to vote for him. I'm not going to vote for him. And so there's such a division among the party, and this is what Barack Obama has been talking about for a couple weeks now. He says, we need to come together. Stop trying to prolong the inevitable. We need to come together. On the other hand, she's saying, no, I'm I'm supposed to be the nominee. I'm the strongest candidate. 
I'm supposed to be the nominee. It sounds like now she's sort of trying to play the vulnerable woman who's being beat up on by these big, strong guys card, you know. And sad to say, it's not really working because people have seen her being a ferocious, tenacious, you know, candidate. And people have seen her go after people who don't do the things that she wants them to do the way that she wants them to do it. See, so it's not that the people don't want her in, per se. It's just that most folks are kind of afraid to vote for Obama because of the things that they've heard. They haven't necessarily substantiated everything, but because his name has been drug in the mud and every little thing he, he said has been such, been scrutinized so much that some people are saying, well, I'm, I heard that he was this or I heard that his pastor said that. Let me tell you something. You could go through the list of pastors in this country, and most of them have said something that somebody doesn't like. Yes. <laughs> it's almost inevitable. There's going to be something that you say that somebody's not going to like. You know, on a consistent basis, there'll be something that you don't necessarily like, what they said. Now, as far as the Pastor Jeremiah Wright, hey, that's what he believes. Does that mean that Barack Obama believes everything he says? It doesn't. Heck. And he made the point. He said, you know, my grandmother was a white woman, was afraid of blacks, said some things that she, you know, not necessarily afraid of them, but I think, she, I think he said she said some things about black people. You know, there are certain black people she wouldn't go around. And that was his grandmother who was a white woman. Heck, I know black people who were afraid to go around some black people. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, that's true. You, you know, know? And hey. so does that, you know, but the reality is, I guarantee you, you go into any church and sit in there any given amount of time, and unless this, unless the pastor is a pacifist, he's going to say something against the world. Because in a faith, if you have a faith relation, if you have a relationship with your, your creator, it's only natural that you can't be with the opposite of what your creator believes. So if there's something that's been dishonestly done, of course you've got to disagree with that. Of course you've got to fight against that. It's only natural to rage against the machine. Yes. Yes. And what what's the other pastors, uh, McCain's pastor that he spoke out oh, against? But actually, he... that was that wasn't his pastor, but it was someone who had. So it was a, one of the conservative pastors. Uh, I think it was John Hagee. Yes. But what about the other one that he said that he 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 was close to? I think it was Paisley. Was it? was about uh, Jews. Yes. Well, no, it was about the, the Muslims. He was talking about the Muslims. No, he was talking about, uh, well, he might have said something else. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I recall seeing something on the news where he was talking about that the Jew, that Hitler was sort of the, um, was the hand of God against the Jews or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something he said that was just off the offlandish. You know, I'll say like this. Pastors are prone to say things that people aren't going to agree with. Whether it's right or wrong, you know, I always say, take that up with God. So he's going to take it up with you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but for some people to go out there and try to vilify, oh, condemn this, condemn that, I guarantee you there are some things you have said and done that people will condemn you for. Does that make them right? That's your opinion. You're entitled to it. Have at it. But you know what? I think the problem starts is when people try to force what they believe on others. And that's exactly what's going on. Even even in politics, even in religion. Those are the two things that you really shouldn't discuss at work. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was talking with a guy, and he started talking about... Uh, of all things, homosexuality. And I I kind of got quiet because I knew that there was someone in a cubicle a couple of cubicles over who was a practicing homosexual, you know. And so I said, well, I'm not really going to comment on what he said. And so uh, I basically said, oh, I'm not touching that. 
<laughs> you see? Oh, and yeah. that's all I said. I'm not touching that. Because I knew that that person could possibly hear us discussing what he was, because he, he brought it up. I mean, he came out of nowhere with it. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm not touching that, you know? Yes. And it's not that I don't have my own, you know, personal opinions about homosexuality and everything else. It's just that you have to be careful in this day and age on what you say around certain people because they'll take anything and sue you for it. <laughs> I'll just say it like that. That's true. That's true. You know? Brian, and so, Greg, I think it's time to go to another commercial. Let's Let's camp out on the commercial tip, and when we come back, We'll wrap this whole thing on up. We'll be right back with the Abundant Solutions Hour. Hey, Justin, Sarah. Hi, Ricky. Hi. Hey, listen, I just heard about some kids who might try to get some beer. So, why are you telling us? Yeah. Well, because I thought maybe we could go and, you know, drink. Why? Um, because, I guess because it's cool. Cool? Why is it cool? Well, you know, we can go and get wasted. And why would we want to get wasted? Well, remember that time when we heard some older kids talking about doing it? So, why should we do it? Well, I guess... I guess I don't know. Sooner or later, someone may ask you if you want to drink. If that ever happens to you, maybe there's something you should ask them. Like, why? Because the fact is, most kids don't drink. Even older kids. So think about it. There's no good reason to drink. Want to know more? Check out thecoolspot.org. Hey world, this is EJ Transit, and right now I need the ears of the African American community. Some child will be reported missing in the next 40 seconds. 33% of missing children are African American. Saving our children is working to make the security of children the top priority. So please log on to www.savingourchildren.bravehost.com or www.myspace.com slash hfmbc and please help in saving our children because when you stop hearing my voice another child has been reported missing thank you and we're back with the Abundant Solutions Hour and our tonight's topic is thank you as in, thank you, President Bush. <laughs> yeah. You know, Greg, I, I think it's just amazing that in the time of war, we can have a president, a sitting president. You know, he's a lame duck president, but he's still the in his second term of office with the lowest approval rating on record. What is it right now? I think it's hovering around 27%. Can you imagine that seven, that roughly 73% of America's of America is unhappy with the president and the things that he's done? Do you think they're ready for change, though? You know what? I think people are so tired of what's going on now that they are literally pleading for change they are scratching and punching and whatever they can conjure up for change they're waiting that they need it you know and i mean when you when you look at the reality you know we talked about it earlier nothing price-wise is going to go down don't expect of course food prices to go any go down any don't expect gas prices to go down any don't expect housing prices to really drop any further. I mean, they're going down now because people just can't afford to buy them. But they're not going to go down that far the way you can afford them again. <laughs> so what's got to happen? Something has to give at some point. Yeah, something's got to give. I mean, you have the United States now, you know, giving people t uh, breaks on purchasing homes. You know, but again, historically, prices aren't going to go drop that far. They're going to drop a little bit, and they're going to start creeping right on back up to what they were, you know, and that's just normal. 
and it's sad to say, most people are looking that looking for the, the next president, you know, whoever it may be, to come in and fix all this stuff. Do you think if McCain gets into office, do you do you think it's going to be another, or do you think it'll be a third term of Bush, or do you think he'll come in and make uh, some really big changes that will separate him from uh, the Bushes, uh, Mr. Bush's shadow? You know what? I think he's already beginning to try to do that because he does. You know, they were talking about that in the news today. He he has gotten to the point where. He understands that President Bush isn't that popular right now, but he still has the drawing power among the Republican Party and the folks that, you know, that are, you know, strong in the Republican Party. They want to see President Bush. They believe in what he's doing. You know, most of them have definitely reaped the benefits of what he's doing, you know, but you still have a large amount of people who, who, they want to see another Republican in, but they could care less what Bush says or does right now. They just want him out, but they don't want a Democrat in because a Democrat, of course, is going to change everything that Bush has done. Yeah. And they fear that that will hurt the economy. You know, and right now there's not much that that can help the economy, you know, because, right. you know, you have the conservatives who who pretty much are hating both the Republican and the Democratic parties. Because they want everybody to still be very, very conservative, because conservatism for them means dollars. But you know, so of course they don't want you to be out there and, you know, and actually give money to the folks who can't afford to buy bread because they got to buy gas. They don't want you passing that money off to them. But you know what, Bernie? You said something earlier, and I really do believe this: that the Republican Party, it seems that they're fighting amongst themselves right now. I oh, think yeah. they want McCain to be a little bit more conservative than he is, because I don't see him as a conservative. I don't. I just don't. He's not. Yeah. I, I didn't. And I, I think his running mate is going to have to be someone that's going to balance him out. Yes. I, I think that he's going to have to have a conservative vice president, and Charlie Chris is not that. He's not conservative. He 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 is a little bit, but he's more liberal than conservative. Would you agree? I would agree. Now, he's a very popular person to put in there as far as the popularity because you got to remember, folks in places like Texas and California, well, not necessarily California, but Texas and, um, you know, the upper and middle east, I mean, northern, northeast and in Florida and Michigan, places that have large contingencies of Republicans, you know, that voting, I'll say, or, or what they what they call Reagan Democrats, which mm-hmm. are con- very conservative type Democrats. Right. You know, they see Charlie Crist as a more centrist than a you know conservative, and so they'll be more ten- they're, they're, they'll tend to vote for him, and that'll pull more votes for the Republican Party out of the folks who are conservative. But do you think the people out west know anything about a Charlie Crist or what kind of weight that he can carry outside of Florida? Well, you know, that's the thing. His name right now is popular because of the fact that he followed uh, um, Jeb Bush, who everybody thought would be the one as a front runner for the next presidency. You see? They all thought that it would naturally be Jeb that would be either president or vice president, you know, and it still remains to be seen. You never know who McCain's going to pick. You know, he's been courting some people. And one of them uh, from this past weekend was uh, Charlie Chris. Absolutely. He he was one of the ones. But I, I, I just don't know how powerful or how Charlie could really help him uh, McCain at this point in the state of Florida, uh, Brian. As you, you know, we all know that the Republicans have carried Florida. They've mm-hmm. been winning Florida. Mm-hmm. Now, do do you think he really needs Charlie Chris as far as helping him get this state? Do you think uh, Charlie Chris can help him do that? Oh yeah, I, I believe that, that Charlie Chris will definitely help him carry Florida because he's even a popular governor among Democrats. 
Well, let me say this. Do you think that McCain can carry Florida without without the help of uh, Charlie Chris? Because, again, they've been carrying Florida anyway. You know, that's a tough call. It's a very tough call because you really have to look at who he's running against. And, you know, right now all roads point toward Obama being the candidate. You know, and like, uh, and I'll use the words similar to uh, Senator Clinton, and she says, you know, unless something happens, <laughs> yeah. something unforeseen happens, yeah. you know. And so if he, if he goes against Obama, I think he has a good chance of carrying Florida. Mm-hmm. Simply because you have a lot of conservatives that won't vote for Obama because typically the conservatives also have deep religious views and they view him, you know, and sadly he's been portrayed as unpatriotic. He's been portrayed as a, you know, as a Muslim. Let me say this, but those same conservatives that are hurting at the gas pumps and hurting in the wallet, do you think they'll change their, their, their way of thinking? You know what I think they're doing? I think they believe that that even though they don't necessarily like John McCain as a run as a as a candidate, they feel he's the lesser of of what I've heard them say three evils, meaning Hillary, Obama, and McCain. They think that McCain is is still not who they want, but they'll settle for him. You know, and again, part of this is because they wanted somebody strong, but. The voice of the people is saying, we don't want the same old, same old, because look what it's gotten us in the last eight years. Mm-hmm. The, right now, what you hear are mostly conservatives, not necessarily Republicans, but just conservatives, and they're saying, we want something a little different. We want somebody who can bring the party, you know, the two parties closer together. And right now, on the Republican side, they see that candidate as being John McCain simply because he is more liberal than conservative. But don't you think know? for one second that the Republicans are going to lay down and let a Democrat walk in. Oh, no, not at all. Don't think believe that. me, you'll see, just like you said earlier, you'll see the teeth come out. You'll see the claws get drawn. You know, you'll see the lines in the sand really soon. I mean, everything will happen in, in, uh, in June. Yes. You know, like our lovely senator from New York said, in June. Just wait till June. <laughs> you know, it's but the sad part about it is, you know, the, the real sad part about it is the fact that no matter what happens in June, July, August, November, people right now are still hurting. And it's really sad that you have a presidency that is not really going at it. I mean, the best he could do was say, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to ask the folks over there, Do they? can they give us some more oil? You know, and shockingly enough, folks on the uh, on the other side of the, of the world said, you guys can't even handle our oil. If we, <laughs> if we doubled our production right now, your refineries couldn't hold it because you hadn't built one in 30 years. So they basically put it back on us and say, hey, guess what? It's your fault. Mm. You're t- You're too busy trying to make money. So build a refinery, we'll give you more oil. But we're not going to come off our oil. Not when we can already make plenty of money off of it. Yeah, they are the ones holding the ticket, I tell you that. Absolutely. And it's, you know, Greg, we got about a minute left. And, you know, I'd like to thank all the listeners that have been listening in tonight and the ones who will listen later on. You know, it's it's a touchy subject. Well, that's okay. You know, it's got to be dealt with. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's strong feelings on both sides. You know, and I would just say, wait and see. <laughs> wait and see. It is going. I mean, to now, be. let's see how how conservative people will be when gas is twelve dollars a gallon, according to the speculators. Wow! <laughs> Don't say that. Don't say twelve dollars. Hey, that's what they're saying. Wow. You know, but what I say is. Through much prayer and and, and a whole lot of more prayer, and <laughs> have some more prayer with that, we'll be able to get through this thing. Yes, we will. 
With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you and we ask you to come back on Monday and listen to us. Good evening and God bless.